Hello everyone, and welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we've got John. It's been a minute since we've talked, almost a month now. What what has it been like three three weeks, John? Almost uh three weeks. But uh I don't know. I've been in I've been in just I've been in uh I don't know what's going on. I, I haven't talked to you in those three weeks at all because we just we're not friends. Um how you been? Um well <clears throat> That's interesting for you to ask since we're not friends, but uh, since you asked, you know, feels pretty good. Basketball is coming back. I'm sure fans are excited, but you know what? At the end of the day, I think what people are most, you know, kind of, you know, all in an anticipation for is the fact that you and I are returning for another season of covering the Sacramento Kings, the people's uh, reporters here at Cap City Crown, if you can call us that. People's uh, blog. That's right. Yeah. I kind of like that. It's the people's blog, you know. We we hold power to account, you know. We're like your local news station's investigative team. We investigate completely trivial things, but hey, who else is going to investigate? Who's going to investigate on you know the third uh, center for the Kings this year? Seriously, yeah, you know that's or that's how to about. pronounce Monte McNair correctly. You know what? I think we'll have to get into that at one point. We might have to do a 15-minute segment. I, just, I think we should do a whole full segment. I mean, we literally were off for three weeks. We could have done, you know, just a, an episode on that and who's correct. We could probably do a few, maybe one every week. Just it's our special uh, debate version, installment number 60. Is it Monty or Monte McNair? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how tense of a debate it is. You know, we'd really have to. It'd have to be a hundred round fight. I have a question. Was it was it Monte or Monte Ball, the running back? It was Monte Ball. Monte Ball. But he had two E's, right? I have I have no idea. I think it was he just did. M Ball on the fantasy thing, I thought. <laughs> Monte Ball. Ball scored like eighty touchdowns in his college career and just did nothing. Yeah. It wasn't it was Monte Ball. Uh, like spelled with two E's. Monte Ball? That just doesn't sound good. Monte Monte Ball. Well, I don't know. That's just kind of... I like Monte Ball better than Monte Ball. Mon- yeah, Mon- yeah, well, that sounds like uh, like the uh, slugger on the local T-Ball team. <laughs> Monte Ball. We call him Monster T-Ball, but we call him Monte Ball for short. <laughs> Monster T-Ball. Mon- He's like T-ball. a 17-year-old just playing... <laughs> Freaking t-ball against a bunch of five-year-olds. Mont t-ball smoking it's, them down the third baseline. He's like, "Come on, it's a hot corner, kid." Where's the yeah, Monday yeah, you gotta t-ball? Cover that ground. Yeah. So every now and then, I used to, you know because I play little league and stuff, and I remember one time. I guess not every now and then, just one time. But um, I was like leaving, like I was in like majors or whatever. I was like leaving. There was like a t-ball game going on, and they were like on like the like the major minor field because you know like they have the same size field. It's just mm-hmm. like different age groups. I saw one t-ball kid hit it to the fence. It was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like, I wonder where you are now. It's like Aaron Judge. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, geez, to what the fence. Once we found out Aaron Judge was like, yeah, I didn't even play the league. I just stayed in T-ball till the end of high school. <laughs> That's why I could smoke it. I mean, that builds confidence, I guess. I mean, okay, just go, going off the rails now. 
that's kind of what happens sometimes. Like, I don't know. I don't have a kid. I've never, I've only ever played T-ball. I've never watched it, never coached it. Um, how do you, you did like, umpire? I did umpire, but not T-ball in my defense. That's fair. That's fair. Um, how, like, how do you, how do you change innings? Like, do you have to wait for three outs to happen? Or is it just like, it's been 15 minutes, like switch or like we bat it through the order. Like let's change it up. There's no way they're getting three outs that quickly. Yeah, definitely not every time. If I remember correctly, it was some kind of like either batter count or time count. It was probably a batter count. Like if you go through the lineup twice, <laughs> maybe we should change change sides here. And it's 100 to zero. We have five more innings to play. The, the coaches are just like, you got to get out there. I don't care. It's 100 degrees out there. <laughs> you got to finish this inning. You know? Yeah. Four freaking strikes. It's T-ball, coach. What the hell are you talking about, coach strikes? <laughs> I want to coach T-ball and just be a complete hard ass now. Just, just be a total, yeah. Just lay into these four and five year olds. Yeah, you sure you're not gonna jog, you're not gonna hustle out that plate. You're just you're gonna go to the bench. Listen, if your parents aren't gonna hit you, I will. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's probably a good opportunity to move on to the topic that people might be here to listen to. Uh, yeah, the um, Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Cap City Kings. The Cap City Sack Kings talk Kings. There we go. That's what it is. Uh, training camp starts in what? A week? A I week forget. Today, yeah. Monday? Tuesday? Next Tuesday? Tuesday, because uh, Monday's media day. Everybody's Media day. day. Yes. Exciting media day. Uh, training camp, yeah. So Kings got, what, 19 of the 20 possible people signed to a training camp roster I guess, or signed that are coming to training camp. Um, sorry, it's been a three weeks. I can't speak well. Um, <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, other than the third point guard, I mean, the Kings, and I guess we haven't really talked much since, so it'd be kind of getting into something. I guess before training camp, you know, the Kings cut Kata, and, or I should say waved, wove, wove them, they waved them. Um, <laughs> they waved uh, who Kata and uh, Nerland's Noel, yeah, the guy Nerland's Noel, <laughs> which is so funny because I'm like, dude, we got Noel, we've been looking for this guy forever, and then he's just like cut before training camp, yeah, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> Kata's in Boston, yeah, good move for him, but yeah, because the king signed McGee, and um, sounds like they're gonna go with the McGee and Lynn as the two backup true centers. Because obviously, I think, I think we all think uh, that Trey Lyles will be playing the backup five at points in this season. Um, so I mean, it seems like the roster from what, like the 15 man roster. I don't know. Is that kind of set or do you think we're still waiting on a, I don't know. I haven't counted, I guess in my head. Well, I think the count is there's 14 guys that are going to look to make the team. It looks like they're going to make the team like uh, from Fox all the way down to, you know, Kessler Edwards, however you want to put it. Um, I don't know. I mean, not every team carries 15 guys. So I don't don't know what they're going to do. Um, like you said, the third point guard thing, it seems like they're just foregoing that, which seems like they'll be able to get away with considering all the guys that can handle the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if they're going to make a move or anything like that. I feel like if they made a move, it wouldn't really be 
anybody that's exciting. Obviously, it's not like they're going to bring Terrence Davis back. I don't think. Although he's yeah, not it's, fine. That's so I was going to say because it seemed like in like July they were like, yeah, like Boston's looking at him. This, this I think, and a couple other teams were interested. And he's you know training camp is a week away, and he is not signed by anybody, which is really surprising to me. That is because I mean he was as a third string. Shooting guard, he was pretty dependable when his name was called. Oh, he was their best player in Game 7. <laughs> he was Apparently. their best game in their first TNT game in three years against the Nets. Hey, man. That was, wasn't that great? This is the first national TV <sighs> game. It's just like all these people are going to think Terrence Davis is like, six-man-a-year candidate. Dude, Terrence Davis, we should trade for him right now. <laughs> Give that guy an extension. TD, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is that that is strange to me. I don't know why he wouldn't get signed somewhere though. He's a very quality player. Um, yeah, sucks for TD, I guess. Yeah, TD touchdown. You know, touchdown Davis. You know, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of spots in the NFL. Maybe he can get a shot there. Yeah, I mean, shoot, why not? I mean, he could probably you know play the uh, what the uh, tight end position, maybe linebacker. Probably be a linebacker. I don't know. I don't know football that well. Just he can be the quarterback for the Jets. <laughs> and and New York signs Terrence Davis the second to replace Aaron Rodgers, former NBA star. And people are like who? <laughs> uh, um. Okay. Uh. Back. We'll try to. I'll, we'll try to keep each other on track. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> clearly doing a good job of holding each other accountable. Yeah. Um, training camp. So, I mean, how, what are you, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> you- well, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> we clearly did a nice job of discussing this before the podcast. Um, but, you know, it's the season ahead. We could, I want to kind of save like big picture. What's the team going to do over unders, things like that for next week. I don't even think over unders are out yet. I think they come out the week of training camp so we won't get to play with that. like the official over unders like what's the official over under I th- like well, caesars I the, uh yeah different sports books but i think they only have those out for win loss totals and I, they usually put out over unders on stats for guys oh um, i see so like i thought you're talking about like the wins of the king yeah, or something. that's out that's out i think they're at 40 i think they have them at 44 45 i think on a lot of sports books yeah like three, four, five games above 500. Um, but I think this week you can go through. We, you know, we put out on the uh, website an article or a series of articles, two, two parts of questions, you know, pre training camp for each guy regarding the season ahead, kind of trying to feel out what some guys are going to bring, you know, uh, whether they can step up to certain challenges, whether they can make a certain evolution, what they can do. So I think it might be you know prudent to go through one by one. We don't have to do all of them. I don't think all the questions, I don't think, like for instance, a guy like Trey Lyles has too many questions in my mind. And then, you know, obviously a guy like De'Aaron Fox and Demonte Sabonis are good, but I do think that they're, they've got questions that are worth asking and talking about. Um, so, We'll go through most of them. Any of them we don't get into, feel free to check out the website. Give the article a read. Give it a like, maybe. 
Give um, it a like. Give it a comment. Give it a I don't care if you have to sign into your account that you maybe don't remember the password for. Just make a new account. You don't even need to to comment or like. You just you can just really? comment. You just have to put down your email, and that's it. Yes. Make up an email for all I care. I don't care. It's just, you know, <laughs> just write your comment, throw in something to the email field, and your comment will pop up. Yes. Tell us if you agree. Tell us if you can add anything. Um, leave the uh, the uh, the uh, the mean stuff. Uh, actually, no, write the mean stuff. I love write, it. Write whatever you want. Whatever you care. If you just want to tell us what you had for breakfast, you know, you know whether you're, you're going to get back into cycling or something, something big in your life. I don't know. Just if you want, to. if you want to tell us why John's just the worst article writer in Sacramento Kings history, I mean, just feel free to lay it out. Yeah, go ahead and condemn my use of commas, maybe or m dashes and stuff like that. Like, what is this guy doing? It's some, some unreadable. This stuff. Does he know the difference between? You know this word and that word. I don't know. Does he know the difference between effect and effect? Dude, that sticks with me. I was like, dude, come on. One mistake. And it's like, just got piled on for it. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, it was like during Summer League, I was like really focusing on like covering Keegan Murray in Summer League. And I was like, it was like in the second paragraph. And someone's like, I'm not going to read this if, so, if the author doesn't even know the difference between effect and effect. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got it right in the rest of the article. You can't give me the benefit of the doubt. Come on. No, you lost me two words in. <laughs> yeah, this is a very compositional focused society. If you can't have proper grammar and use of words, you know, you're not going to make it in this world. I mean, you you know what? We lost the fan out there and I, you know, I'll, I'll never stop thinking about it. I light a candle. We, remember, we lost the reader. We lost a reader. We lost a reader. We're down to four again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh okay player questions let's start at the top huh okay how's that do you have them open i don't have them open i got them open uh just ask away you're the interviewee or no you're the interviewer i guess interviewer and tony's the expert i'm Dr. the expert tony. i know everything king's related that's right um darren fox is he going to make the jump to becoming an mvp candidate I mean, hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think about that one. Because I feel like, honestly, he made the jump last year into actually like putting his name out there, especially in the playoffs. Uh, personally, I think he's already there, uh, considering what he did uh, to end last season and being the clutch player of the year, going off in his first postseason appearance. Um, I think he's there already, personally. Can he maintain a full season of where and not just maintain a full season of MVP type numbers, but will the, you know, the rest of the team has to be decent around him to, you know, be in that legit MVP discussion. Cause they're going to have to be one of the better teams in the West. He's not winning MVP as like the fifth seed, unless he really puts up crazy numbers. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's a two parter in my head. I think he's already at that MVP level. Um, just of what he means in the clutch, what he means to the team. Um, but Cam, I mean, I don't see him winning MVP next year, though, like realistically. 
I think he can put up the same numbers in like three years with even like a better team with Keegan Murray, like coming out a little like as like a legit star. Um, I think that's when we'll actually see his name in that MVP discussion as a legitimate guy in that race. Um, But I mean, I think, I mean, his play is, I mean, I'll take Fox, like, you know, I think he's one of the better guards in the league. And I think he's just being overshadowed right now just because the Kings haven't accomplished what, um, you know, you see those other star players, their teams have accomplished or have those accolades that um, other star players have on their resume. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I completely agree. I think, I think you're right. I mean, Fox has to be, people are already mentioning him in that. Uh, It's well understood that he's, one of, if not the hardest players to stay in front of, he's clutches ever. Um, it is about, I think, a huge factor, and that is putting together a great season end to end. He did a pretty damn good job of that last season. He got off to a great start. He closed out very well. You'd like to see him fill in the gaps a little bit more, but you know, he's he's a guy that's obviously over the last year, really a year and a half since the Sabonis trade, the reinvigoration within him has been there and he's got all the motivation in the world to be the best and to make his team the best that they can be. But I think one of the things that is interesting to throw out there is that, I mean, he's super max eligible as Bobby Marks of ESPN pointed out a couple weeks ago. Um, and, or he's going to be super max eligible. Basically uh, he's got to have six years under his belt. That'll happen after this season. And He's either got to make another all NBA team this season or next season, or he's got to win an MVP. And if he wins an, I mean, will he win an MVP? Even if he's able to put, you know, even if everything goes right, there's still going to be other guys out there that are making a, you know, a a great case for themselves to be MVP. It's not a sure thing, but Hey, you know, if he wins that MVP, he's automatically super max eligible. I mean, he can win another all NBA team and do it, but, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, that's that's the that's the highest level of ambition, and I think that's an interesting factor in it. Um, could be a little added motivation. Will he win MVP? I don't know, and I totally agree with you in terms of making the jump to being an MVP candidate. That's probably already done, based on what he did last season and based on what he did in the playoffs specifically, and even with a freaking broken finger. So honestly, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward. I mean. Anytime Fox plays, you got to be looking forward to watching him. But you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what he's what he's like this season. With baby, it's a full season of baby rain. So baby rain, they call yeah. him. When he That's gets older, is he going to be toddler rain and then like you know juvenile rain and then young adult rain? Because everybody refers to him as hey, baby rain. I feel like everybody when they refer to him as baby rain, you know, baby rain or geriatric rain. But anyways. Well, that's enough of the <laughs> the Fox situation. Drain <laughs> way down the line. I remember covering De'Aaron Fox. Geriatric Rain, your, your dad was the best. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Domantas Sabonis. Domas. Um, you know, Domas, I, I want to preface this by saying, obviously, I, I, we maybe even more so than Fox, at least this past season, things can change this year. You know, Fox could go just superhero mode for 80 out of 82 games or whatever and just go off. But Sabonis, was a, there's a reason he was getting some votes in the MVP race. I mean, Fox got some too, but Sabonis finished higher, if I'm not mistaken. 
So, yes. you know, in terms of Sabonis, there's not a lot of complaints, especially when it comes to the regular season. You know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to give you, you know, 18 to 20 points a game, a lot of fucking rebounds, and then hopefully again over seven assists. Um, I don't really have questions or concerns about Sabonis, except when it gets to the specific matchups thing. We saw what happened in the playoffs. And there's a range of different questions you can ask about certain matchups. But one of the ones that comes to mind for me is, will Sabonis be able to hit and reach into his back pocket to hit jumpers when challenged to do so? We saw Kevon Looney and other defenders sag off Sabonis. And, you know, there were times where he went to the basket. Sometimes he didn't look so good. Sometimes he looked fine. You know, he, but he really had to work for his hoops. It really changed the dynamic of how the Kings had to play. And... You know, I've maybe this doesn't, it's not a cure all, but if Sabonis was a little more comfortable with just putting up a jumper, which he can do, he hit mid range shots at a very efficient clip, albeit mm-hmm. not on a huge volume. He shot 37% from three, albeit not on a huge volume. But it's almost like about just being able to pull that trigger. Can Sabonis get to that level? I mean, he just experienced a whole a series where obviously they didn't lose because of him. There were a lot of different factors in a seven game series, but you know that's that's as big of a sign as any to maybe start thinking about that as a weapon in his repertoire. Uh, do you think that he'll be a little more comfortable, a little bit more, uh, you know, have a reflex to pull that trigger when he needs to? Um, man, I don't know. This is a tough question. I I don't know. I, I haven't really, I don't know what Domas has been working on this offseason too much. I haven't seen many like clips or videos of him this um, offseason. I know he was, uh, what he was at. No, was he? Never mind. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I just, you know, it was obviously an issue that really got highlighted during the postseason. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was fine like during the regular season. I never had an issue with him taking a mid-range, and it felt like he was pretty comfortable. Um, it was just like the pressure situation. It seemed like it just got to him, and he just started missing them and really got highlighted when he couldn't get assists because, you know, <laughs> Herder and Barnes weren't hitting threes like at all during that series either. So I don't really expect it to change too like too crazily, like I think he's just gonna keep hitting them at the same rate he hit him last year. It's just I don't know. I just like the pressure situation. I will he succumb to the pressure again that like he did in the postseason. Um, I don't think he's we're gonna see like an influx of his shots at the min range. Um, I think he's just gonna keep taking them at the same clip as he was and knocking them down at what? What do you know the percent percentage he shot at the mid range? Uh, not collectively, but I was looking at like uh, stat muse and looked at a shot chart and anything in and around that mid range area. They were all in the good color blue. And yeah, over, over like closer to fifty percent, like over forty. That's what I assume. I, I mean, I remember him being pretty good from there. Like, like uh, at least like you had to respect it, you know. So hopefully he worked on it a little, just so that when you know it actually matters, like it did. Um, he can keep knocking him down like he was during the regular season. Cause even if he shot like, I don't know, just like what he was doing during the regular season and during the playoffs. Cause he, it was bad. He, he did not shoot well from that mid range. And that was it. He, his, his, his offensive performance just kind of tanked because of it. 
Yeah. His I efficiency. Think, I think one of the things is you will see him. I think he'll, there's no way he's coming out of this going like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't have to get more comfortable with that shot or be more willing to reach into my pocket for that one. I think he's going to be ready for that. But one of the things that's interesting is uh, with Vizenkov here, with Lyles being able to be more of a backup five. I mean, we saw in the playoffs, I think of all the lineups um, in the playoffs, the best overall rating was Lyles at the five. It was like the, um, I think it was a F- Fox, Monk, Terrence Davis, Keegan Murray, and Trey Lyles in that series. Uh was really good. So if the situation comes, because that was a really matchup based situation, we said a lot, you know, in and around that playoff series. Had the Kings gone on to play the Lakers or somebody else, Sabonis would not have faced the same issues necessarily. I'm sure there would have been a little bit of uh, note stealing from the Lakers. They would have like taken cues from that series, obviously, but it's a different team. They play differently. I don't think that those issues would have been as glaring against the Lakers. So, you know, like I preface this with, this is not a huge issue for Sabonis, especially for the regular season. This is rarely going to be coming up, I think. But I guess it's just about maybe you're right. Maybe it comes down to just being able to overcome adversity and make adjustments throughout high pressure situations. But, you know, if that never happened in the playoffs, I don't know what my question would have been for Sabonis. So thank you, Domas, for struggling. <laughs> yeah. I started writing that the segment for Sabonis down in freaking May, I swear to God. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of also, in terms of like work he did this offseason, I don't think we heard anything about him working with Chris Matthews, lethal shooter guy, uh, like he did last year. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's more of a three-point type of thing. But it'll be interesting to see with Sabonis. I mean, again, that question is really specific to probably more of the playoffs and specific matchups in the playoffs. Yeah. So good job, Domas. Uh, moving down the line here, let's go with Harrison Barnes. Um, good old Harry. Harry Barnes, HB40. Um, HB40. Red, red wine. Uh, will he see more rest this season? I mean, you can take that as should he see more rest this season as well? Um, because he I'm, did, of, of course, play 82 games. He's the only player on the team to do that. And then over the past five seasons, he's played 12,365 minutes, which is fourth among all NBA players behind McCall Bridges, DeMar DeRozan, and Jason Tatum. Plays a lot. I'm going to group this one, sure. this question, with the Duarte one, because I believe your question for Duarte is, can what Duarte put together a full season healthy, right? Right. Or more or less healthy. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just think it's going to really be dependent on Duarte because I mean, like I've said several times uh, over this podcast, over the years, like Barnes has not really had a backup uh, at that three position to him since he's joined the Kings. And if we finally have one in Duarte where he can actually play consistent minutes. Like, yeah, we have Kessler Edwards now, but I don't know. I, I'm still not totally sold on Kessler Edwards. He still seems more like a matchups guy. Maybe he can really carve himself out, carve himself out a role at that backup three, but I'm, I'm personally not convinced yet. Um, so I think it just really has a, you know, it, it really falls on Duarte. Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be efficient on top of that? 
I mean, I, th- I think Duarte can be an efficient player. Um, I know he didn't have the best year last year. Again, struggled with injury because of it. So if Duarte can stay healthy, one, I think he can be efficient because of it, and two, he can take those minutes off of Barnes. So yeah. I, I, I just think it's just very dependent on what Duarte can do, if he can be efficient and healthy. And I think if he's a healthy, I think he can be efficient. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think there's so many things that it's contingent on. And I think another thing is, you know, even if Duarte stays healthy, even if you feel like you do have good depth there at the wing, um, is Harrison Barnes going to want to take a rest? You know, I mean, do you think Mike Brown was starting the season going like, no, I want Harrison Barnes to play 82 games. That sounds like a Harrison Barnes being the competitor that he is. That's his thing. So almost another thing that it's contingent on too, obviously I think your point actually is a little more, that feels no. Like, Are you going to bring up Keegan now? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Um, oh. But uh, but with Mike Brown, is he going to be able to step in over Harrison Barnes and be like, hey, you're going to take this game off and I'm going to give you rest games throughout the season, especially later in the year? Because an important point to note is Harrison Barnes up there with Kevin Herter, who we'll get to, uh, did not look very good in the playoffs. And, you know, we talked about Sabonis, the issues that he faced in a playoff series. Well, that was very matchup space. It just seemed like regardless of who the Kings were playing, Barnes seemed not himself. And he had a pretty good season. He kind of got off to a slow start in terms of three-point shooting. But overall, he kind of had the season I sort of expected him to have. Um, And... You know, I, I just think that it's going to be key because he is so important in a lot of different ways. And you do have the extra depth. Um, it just seems like a no-brainer that this is kind of almost on Mike Brown to just be the head coach here and, and, and be the executive officer and just override Barnes's intentions and ambitions. So I would just throw that out there. Yeah, and you know, sorry, I thought I, thought I was reading your mind back there. Um, I also think, because I believe your question for Keegan is, will we see Keegan at the three, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that that's going to play into it significantly as well. Because unlike, I think if you look at the power forward and even the center, um, like depth, the depth of those two positions, it's a lot like wealthier than like the small forward position in Duarte. Yeah, it got a little better with Duarte again. Can he stay healthy? That's a That's a contingent factor right there. Um, and then Kessler Edwards is, you know, I'd much rather have, I think the uh, two backups in Lynn and JaVale to Sabonis and, um, Vezinkov and, uh, Lyles to Keegan at the four positions a lot better than that three depth. So if you move Keegan to the three a little more, um, I mean, you have two great backups that can play that four position or right? even if Lyles goes to the five, you know, um, you still have Bezenkov at the four. And I, I mean, I think that could be a factor too. If we see Keegan Moore at the three, then I mean, he's almost like a backup in a way as well as Duarte would be. Cause even though Keegan will be playing starter minutes, um, Keegan won't need to hold down the four as much just cause I mean, we haven't seen Bezenkov play yet, but they seem to have high hopes for this kid. And um, I mean, we saw what Lyles was able to do last year. So um I mean, I, that's definitely going to be a factor as well, depending yeah. on where Keegan plays. And it sounds like they want to move him there. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, 
how much do how much do you envision Keegan Murray playing at the three? Obviously, I think what you're referencing is uh, when Vizenkov was about to sign Christos Saltis of Sportal out of Greece. I was going to say out of Greek, out of Greece, reported that you know as part of the role for Vizenkov backing up Murray at the four, a huge factor into that, and a huge factor that's going to impact or, or give Vizenkov more minutes is the fact that they do want to play Murray more at the three. So, and we saw what he did at the California Classic. Granted, that's against summer league talent. How much do you think you'll see Murray at the three? Do you think it's an adjustment thing? Do you think it's something that'll get worked in? Or do you think it's something that's going to be kind of immediate? Um, Man, I mean, I don't... I mean, maybe immediate in the, like, the sense it will be immediate. They'll try to plug him in there. But I think the success will come later. Um, I think they'll... I mean, I th- it sounds like they are. It sounds like they're going to try to plug Keegan at that three when they can, give Barnes some Raspberry and Bezenkov and or Lyles or whoever, and then, you know, let him work out what he's got to do to be the three. I mean, the Kings, yeah, they're looking to win the title right now still. Um, well, I mean, more so than last season, I should say. Um, but, I mean, realistically, and I hate to say it, I mean, until Keegan Murray can really develop into that star player. And if they want him to be that star at the three, then that's when they become legit title contenders. Um, I mean, a lot's riding on this guy and we're all hoping for a huge jump from him, but you got to start working at working on him like immediately so he can really take that next jump, you know? So I think he'll be put in there immediately, not like starting at the three, but kind of transitioning over there when they need him to. And then, um, just see how the results are, I suppose. Yeah. I think a big tell will be that first preseason game up in Vancouver against the Raptors. Uh, that might might be an opportunity where they kind of see what it's like with, with Murray kind of being more of a three there. That would be interesting. But I think getting started on it with the long – I mean, that's clearly the long-term goal. And – He's proven that even if it's a little rough at first, anything Keegan Murray does, even if it's a little rough at first, the adjustment comes through at some point. You know, you saw him overcome the struggles in November. You saw him overcome the struggles in what the first four games of the series against the Warriors. And then what did he do? He back, bounced back, he came back better than ever. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's really kind of just a question of when. And getting started on it earlier rather than later obviously helps the cause as a whole. But Keegan Murray is another one of those guys where I was just like, I didn't want to make it the, well, is he going to, is he going to have the sophomore slump? That's such a dumb question. I mean, like, I don't know. He's too good of a shooter to have a sophomore slump. I feel like. I feel like sophomore slumps, honestly, they, they're not as prevalent in the NBA as maybe the MLB true, or um, even NFL. Yeah. And it's not like Keegan Murray was like dribbling the ball, had the ball in his hands a bunch. And now guys are like, well, we just make him go this way or defend him that way. Um, They're going to have to adjust too if Keegan Murray starts putting the ball on the floor. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, Keegan Murray, before I move further down this article, Kevin Herter. uh, This one was easy. Fans know it. Probably people involved in the team know it. And most importantly, Kevin Herter knows it as, you know, himself. Uh, it's all about conditioning for Herter. Is it going to be sufficient enough to prevent a late season fizzle? Um, you know, you saw him kind of begin to f- kind of 
took some steps back, I think in January and February. Um, his three-point percentage was kind of declining month to month. Uh, he had a great March. He bounced back then, but then we saw him that grand fizzle out happened in the playoffs. And, you know, he said at the post season um, or the after the season press conference that he knows he's got to be able to be in the best shape of his life, essentially, because of the movement within his offense, movement within the offense, and which was obviously requiring Herter to be far more active than he was ever going to be in Atlanta. Um, It's all about conditioning. He knows it. We know it. Maybe that kind of gives the answer away, but is it going to be good enough to take him through to through April into May, you know, maybe into June? Um, It's got to be right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's got to be. I mean, will it? We hope so. I mean, it's just, I mean, he's obviously going to take his conditioning serious this offseason. Um, he said he would. So, I, I mean, I, we, I think we all expect big improvements just because it sounds like he knows the issue. We all know the issue. He's working to resolve that issue. Um, so, I mean, I think he'll be better, <laughs> if anything, I suppose. Yeah. But I guess it can only tell. I mean, I, it, he's never trained like this, it sounds like, before, so... Maybe he's going to learn something even more next offseason. He's like, dang, like I was feeling really good into March this time, but like April hit and dang, I wish I'd hit the, you know, treadmill a little harder during or whatever, like the conditioning during the offseason. So um, it's definitely going to improve, but how well, I guess that's just, we'll, we'll find out together. I think the biggest marker will be on the defensive end because I feel like he's, got plenty of work to do in terms of on-ball defense and when you're like getting fatigued you're getting tired legs that seemed to be even more glaring um so the sustainability of his shooting throughout the year will obviously be a big tell but i want to see what he does defensively because i think that conditioning will really factor into his defense because it's not like he's terrible on ball it's not like he gets blown by all the time sometimes he puts up some really good efforts but then there'll just be a moment where it's just like on a couple plays in the first or second quarter, it'll just someone will just zoom by him a few times. I mean, um, I think there were a few instances late in the year where like, I think in a game against the Rockets before he moved, I think Eric Gordon blew by, like Eric Gordon, who's like 40 years old, <laughs> blew by Kevin Herter like twice in a game, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, you can't, you can't let that happen, you know? And we talked about when the Kings got Herter last year. It's like, this guy can really be a two-way impact player. He can be good enough on the defensive end. He can obviously be one of the best offensive weapons on the team. And in terms of, as he put it at his post, into the season press conference, you know, his role on the team is to continue to get better in his role. And, of course, that comes down to conditioning. But that conditioning really has to, it's got to be there because it's got to impact the defensive end of the floor big time. So, yeah, Herder, he's just going to come in ripped as ever. He's going to look like like a freaking linebacker or something. <laughs> Kevin Herter, he's going to play the four now. He was at that Niners game with Keegan on uh, last Thursday. I don't, I don't oh, really? think he was looking linebacker-ish. Yeah, I think the Kings posted it. Um, let, me, let me look at him, <laughs> I guess. 
Let's look let's him up. We'll check out his Insta. Let's, let's, let's hack into his DMs. That's true. You look. I don't know. I'm gonna look up the Kings. I know the Kings definitely posted him. When I say definitely, oh yeah, here he is. He looks uh, the same. <laughs> I mean, I think he looks a little more cut. Actually, he looks a yeah. little trimmer. Do you, are you looking or no? No, I'm not. I'm just kind of imagining it based on your description. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> just, you know, yeah, now that you mention it. <laughs> um, no, he definitely looks a little more trim, in my opinion. Let me go to his actual Instagram page. He was in a wedding uh, two weeks ago. What'd he wear? He lost a brother, but oh. he gained a sister. Uh, he, did he go to a marriage or a funeral? Uh, I know, I don't know. That seems very cryptic, right? Because I'm what like, why would he lose a wedding? Kevon, would you do? Did he lose a brother because his brothers got married or something? He's like, see ya. <laughs> Can't hang with the gang anymore. Kevon Herder, dude. Uh, I mean, I think he looks trim. All right. Well, that was a lot of work to just come to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, moving on. Malik Monk. Malik Monk I means think, king. That's right. Malik, Malik means king. Huh? King I, I keep Monk. thinking Monk means king. <laughs> monk fruit. Have you ever had monk fruit? I don't believe I have. Any good? I, I've never had it either. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. That was- that's invigorating. Um, Malik Monk, I think we know where this question's going. Can he make it into that top three six man of the year voting? Can he win it? Um, what does it come down to? You? I mean, come on. It's consistency. I, I mean, he could have won it last year if he just played consistently the whole year. I'm not, I mean, I'm not talking about like the games he had and like, Game one against the Warriors or that game he had against the Clippers where the Kings scored like 176 points. It's just like, dude, like just don't like when when you have a bad game, just don't have it be like one for ten, which is out like two assists. It's like you know, it's just it's just consistency. I, I've said it all year uh, or all last season. He he's just like the definition of streaky. I mean, when that dude's on a roll, he's on a freaking roll. And he doesn't even need to keep it up to that effect, you know, the whole season. But, man, when he's cold, that dude cannot hit the broadside of a bar. And it's it's hard to watch sometimes. It's like, uh, so, I mean, it's just going to fall down to consistency um, and just not having those really terrible games in a, in, in a row. Because he has a stretch of them in a row. And it's just like, dude, you just, you're shooting yourself in the, your foot, you know. So, um, I mean, I guess just consistency. Yeah. And I think something I was thinking about is, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like late December into the first part of January, talking about some of the cold spells. I think one of the things that was mixed in with that was I think Malik Monk might even sat a game or two due to injury. And I know he was listed on the injury report a few times through like a few week period. And Mike Brown talked about him being banged up here and there. And of course, guys get banged up throughout the season. They're playing through certain injuries and, you know, little nicks here or there. But, you know, Malik Monk's a small guy. He's not tall. He's not extremely, you know, broad or he doesn't have a big frame. Um, And he had a role. I mean, you heard him say a lot, especially early on where people are like, man, this guy's getting four assists off the bench every game. You know, nobody expected that, like. 
And he talks about how Mike Brown's kind of allowed him to play a certain way. So maybe there's like an adjustment period where he just needed to get a season playing to that, you know, uh, extent. But I think a part of it might just be, is he physically able to maintain that kind of level of play, that effort throughout a season? Um, he didn't miss substantial time. Obviously, he was in terms of availability, he was good. But you know, guys play through a lot. Um, I almost feel like it kind of comes down to, of course, it does come down to consistency. But a part of staying consistent might just kind of come down to physical sustainability, um, which you know, talking about depth and stuff like that, that could be mitigated pretty easily, you know, considering the fact that obviously I think Monk's going to have the role he's going to, that he had last season. When he, like you said, when he's on, he's on, he really looks like one of the top five players on the team when he's on, but you know, cold spells and stuff like that, there'll be more opportunities for other guys to kind of get in there and handle the ball. Maybe like Duarte, um, depending on the steps Mitchell takes this season, uh, that will hopefully help. Monk kind of maintain that consistency and that stability and sustainable kind of uh, efforts throughout the year. But it'll be interesting from him. I mean, it's one of those things where when your question is, can you be good enough to be in the top three for six man of the year or take the award home? Cause I think he was fifth in voting. It's like not too many concerns about Monk, but that consistency thing I think is always going to come up and that's the key to him. Speaking of Davion, though, I think this one's also a no-brainer in terms of questions to ask, but will his shooting improve at all? Uh, he's two years in. I think he's shooting just 31.7% from three. I think he was closer to 30. I think he was a little like 32% the year before, uh, this past season. Um, but clearly, you know, I mean, regardless of whether or not Davion Mitchell's defense should have been out there, in game six and seven more against the Warriors. It's 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 a fair critique to be like, hey, if this guy really wants to be on the floor, he's got to have that two-way, you know, impact. And that two-way impact, because the defense is all going to be there, that really is super, super contingent on whether or not he's going to be able to be a three-point threat. And I think he got off to a decent start in the series from three, and then it just fell off, and it was kind of – Typical things that you see a Davion. It goes a couple weeks where it's just like, this guy can't hit anything. And, um, I mean, will it improve? Two years in and it hasn't really improved. He really only had one good three-point shooting season in college, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I know your kind of thoughts on this. You, I think you're a little more realistic about Davion's shooting. Uh, do you think it'll improve? And I'm not just saying like, oh, yeah, he'll shoot 33% this year, but like 30, <laughs> 35%, like that kind of stuff that will actually get him on the floor. I mean, Kessler Edwards was so great because he played great defense late in the year and he was shooting about 34, 35%. It was just good enough. And, you know, you talk about Davion, it's like, well, now you've got, like, think about the main additions this season, Duarte and Vizenkov. doesn't matter if they're, if Vizenkov has trouble on defense or Duarte has trouble staying healthy. When they're out there, they're going to be way better shooters than Davion could ever dream of being. So Davion's got to at least get somewhat better. And in terms of unlocking him, to be the guy that, you know, reached the ceiling that maybe people imagine that shooting has got to be there. And it's just a question of, is it going to come up? And I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but it's hard to be optimistic that he's just going to come out and shoot 35% this season or something close to that. It is hard to be optimistic. Um, 
I've never really liked Davion's shot uh, for him. Uh, he just kind of looks more like a chucker than a pure shooter. The only reason I'm going to say that I could see it improving is that it looks like, I think just like last offseason, but just like last offseason, this offseason, he seems to be putting in the work in his shot. He's been training with uh, Steph's trainer. He's been training with Steph a little. They went to some mini camps with them. He said he's been able to pick Steph's brain on his shot form and, uh, you know, what it goes what goes into being a good shooter. So, I mean, hopefully that helps. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you're stuck with what you are. And, I mean, obviously, who who better to ask from uh, advice for from then staff right but i don't know you know I, I, I think he at that point would just need a drastic change in his shot form um is, is it just too late in his career now i mean not, not like his career is obviously only two seasons old but i mean he's what 24 now 23 24 25 and who's kind of an older rookie um i mean just changing your shot like that it's not it's not that simple. So, well, I'm interested to see really how his um, his shot looks going into the season after training with Steph and his trainer. But um, I definitely ha- have my doubts still just because of <laughs> what he's shown the last two years and like how bad his shot can look at times. And when you're like, a decent shooter, sometimes you're it's just like, I don't know. It's like, dude, geez, you just you look awful <laughs> like shooting the ball. Yeah. It, and it's another thing where it's just like, uh, it, was it midway through his rookie season? If I'm not mistaken, midway through his rookie season, it seemed like there just was a ton of arc on the ball that wasn't there at the beginning. Is that right? Or did he come in in his rookie year with that kind of arc? Or was that kind of an adjustment? I, 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 I think it was, it was an adjustment. Like when it started like having like the high ass arc and you're like, where did this come from? Yeah, it, it was, was it in the end of his rookie year or just going into last season? I can't remember. I think, it, I think it was the end of his rookie year and he actually started, I mean, that was kind of like, I think the arc came in a little bit beforehand, but it kind of looked pretty good. I mean, he was getting things to fall, I think, when he was stepping in to be a starter after Fox was essentially out for the season for the final whatever game, how many games it was. Um, but... I don't know how many modifications can you make to your shot before you're just like, well, now you're throwing too much at it. Yeah, and, exactly. And like is, is, I mean, obviously when you go to learn stuff from Steph, you're not trying to replicate his ability to create space and have fluid movement and just be so quick to get the ball up in such a you know, consistent fashion. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, that is, that does come into play in some regard. I mean, Davion, I, I don't imagine him ever, I don't know. Uh, clearly he's not going to be as fluid of a shooter as Steph, but it's just like, how much is that really going to do? I don't know. I think it's one of those things that really remains to be seen. That's another thing to look out for in the first preseason game is how's that shot look? I mean, does it look any different? Is it essentially the same thing? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, kind of like what you were saying. It's like if Buddy Heald went to go ask Steph for some pointers, it's like, okay, that can improve his game. But I mean, like you said, Steph and Davion, they're, I mean, they're drastically different shooters. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's just hard to be like, all right, Steph, like, what can I improve on? It's like, like everything, dude, <laughs> at that point, right? It's like everything. Like, yeah, he's probably like, you know, keep your elbow a little more tucked and follow through and stuff like that. And probably stuff, you know, Davion already knows. And I mean, I'm not saying Steph wasn't helpful. He probably was, but I mean, sometimes it just feels like working with those mechanics and, 
Like, like you said, like how much are you actually changing at this point? Yeah. And are they beneficial changes or are you now just setting yourself back? Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that Davion Mitchell, I wouldn't be surprised if Davion Mitchell struggles to shoot in his first five seasons in the NBA. And then like some big men that are like older now, like Al Horford or something like, like, like that. Like McGee. Yeah, just like developing kind of a semi, semi-good shot. Just be like, yeah, all right, there it comes. Um, to expect it to come together this season, I think might be a little too optimistic. But I think at the end of the day for him, his defense is elite. He's fantastic. He's a weapon on his own. Um, but in terms of being the guy that he probably thinks he can be, that the Kings imagine is a ceiling for him, it all just, it, it, as with a lot of guys, it comes down to shooting. Mm-hmm. Chris Duarte, we kind of talked about Chris Duarte's health. I don't think we need to get too far into that. It kind of speaks for itself. Um, you know, the question for Vizenkov on the article is, will he be able to defend uh, well enough to kind of make that highest possible impact, you know, in a way that his defense isn't going to limit his minutes. And that's really like hard to say, but you know, one of the things I guess that we could ask is maybe I'm making an assumption that if his defense isn't quite up to par, it's going to take his minutes away. Is that an assumption? Is his defense really going to play into his play time, you know, or is his shooting and his, IQ and his toughness, his ability to get on the boards, is that going to be enough for him to, you know, plug in in into the rotation without worrying too much about the defense? And also, I guess a side question to that is if they are, if you really do believe that the defense comes into play, um, how fast is that going to, I mean, like, is he going to be immediately solid? And that's really what we're talking about with Vizinkov on the defensive end. Nobody expects him to be like, a multi-positional defender, but it's just about holding your own against, you know, objectively quicker and more athletic guys than what he played against in the Euro League. I mean, I, I think Vezinkov will be fine. Or uh, sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Is it Vezinkov? Vezinkov? Vezinkov. Vezinkov. Okay, Vezinkov. Um, I mean, I think he'll be fine on defense. I don't think he's. I mean, he's going to be playing the power four position. Like, yeah, there's a lot of athletic fours now, but. I, I mean, I think he's a strong guy. I think he'll be fine down there. And I don't know. The perimeter, obviously, is going to be a little bit of a different question. Um, and that's what I think we're all more interested about. I think he'll be down. I'm like, I think he'll be decent down low. Um, kind of like Nemanja Bielitsa. I mean, that dude was, you know. That's the comparison that often gets brought up. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe I am thinking too much about the defensive thing. Let's just say, you know, Bielitsa was slow. Like, I'm assuming Vezenkov, or Vezenkov is quicker than Bielitsa ever was, and he, he held his own. He's at the four position. And yeah, I mean, that wasn't that long ago, and I get it. Fours are getting even more and more athletic, but I think he'll be okay. And I, I mean, I, I think he'll he's going to get his, what, 25 minutes a night, 20. 20, 25 minutes a night. I, I don't really know how many minutes a night he'll get, actually. Maybe 20. Um, but, I mean, I know he came over for a decent-sized role, and I think that's what he's going to get, regardless of... I mean, maybe not regardless, but I think his offense is going to do most of the talking, though, at the same time. Yeah, it's got to. But one of the things I really like about Vizenkov was that his intro presser... Because um, he's a rookie, but he's an older rookie. And he gave off... You know, he... 
he came at it and he said the things that you would expect a rookie to say, like, I know I got to work and put in the effort. Like, this is a challenge that I've got to rise up to. But it didn't just like sometimes rookies say that they're young guys. They young people are kind of impressionable. They just say the things that they think they should say where, you know, maybe they believe it full, you know, to heart, maybe not. But with Vizinkov, he said it with kind of the the genuineness of a vet. So I think he knows the situation and I think he knows what he has to do and he he'll figure it out. I, I, I feel like it's maybe reading too much into just listening to the guy and getting a feel of him. Um, it seems like he's got the right mindset. seems like he's not. I'm sure there's an expectation that he's going to have a role that was obviously uh, a factor in him leaving EuroLeague. Um, but I think at the same time, he knows what he's got to do. He's, he's, got, he's got a pretty good down-to-earth and realistic viewpoint of the fact that he's, he's got to prove some things. So regardless, I think even if he runs into troubles defensively, I think he'll be able to figure it out. And uh, maybe that's all you can ask for. Um, but yeah, his offense should translate. <laughs> I would hope. Um, yeah, at least the shooting. Yeah, for sure. That touch is insane. Uh, uh, yeah. But, you know, we got a couple other guys, but I think, you know, getting kind of looking at the time here, I think we'll settle in on one more guy. And we kind of touched upon this at the beginning um, with the context of, you know, a month ago, it looked like the Kings were going to bring in a bunch of different centers and it would be Lynn and then somebody had the competition, which would probably have been Nairland's Noel, but you, it appeared for a second there that it was going to be like Nairland's Noel, Nemus Keda, and Scalabissier. Granted, Scal probably had little to no chance. Uh, but it would have been three guys competing, bringing the best out of each other in training camp, and then you'd get to take your pick out of the three of them for one roster spot. But then they signed McGee, and then days after that, you know, James Ham reports that the Kings intend it to be Len and McGee, basically screw the other guys. And then the Kings, I think the next day, probably, I don't know how it worked out, but I almost got a sense that it's like, I could just imagine like Nerland's Noel and his agent on the phone. Like, you see this shit? <laughs> you see You see this thing? And Kata too. And, you know, they probably talked to him and then they waved him to give him a chance to play elsewhere. As I said, Kata's on a two-way contract in Boston. Seems like a good move for both of them. James Ham pointed out that it's like, uh, like Robert Williams has had injury issues. Al Horford is old as hell. <laughs> That's a chance for Kata to maybe do something. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Boston fans think of him when they get to see him play. Um, but sticking to McGee here, it kind of seemed like they're just kind of they're just going all in on McGee, who did not have a good season in Dallas really at all uh, the season prior. He's 35. He's going to be 36 in January. And it's just one of those things. Are the Kings too bullish on him? Is he going to be a guy that can step up and play and make an impact? Or is he going to just be more relied upon for the fact that he's got three championships under his belt? He's the veteran presence. Um that is kind of a couple questions there, but it's just like, what do you, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Do you think that was a little short sighted to do that? And what do you expect out of McGee? Yeah, I think it was short sighted. I also feel like, I, I, I think there's a lot going in here. 
so I might ramble. Stop That's me fine. if I'm rambling. But I, so it's like, I think it was short-sighted. Yeah, like, of course you want the more competition. Competition brings the best out of everyone, right? Like maybe Noel was the better player. He's the younger player. I get he's not signed to a team like Kata is, but um, I mean, Noel was a guy the Kings were legit looking at like two years ago to be that backup. And, you know, now he didn't even get a chance to compete for the spot. You bring in a, tw- th- uh, you bring in a 35-year-old JaVale McGee. Yeah, JaVale McGee is a bigger name than Nerlens Noel and Kata uh, and has success under uh, in his career, three championships. And, you know, being a 35-year-old NBA player, um, obviously he's been around for a long time, is what I'm saying. And so it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like at that point it was just like, I was kind of surprised that JaVale signed here because it sounded like other teams were interested in him. But um, I'm like, why did he choose the Kings? Like, we have Noel and Kata. Like, he's just signing to a training camp deal. So I felt like he's like, I'll sign with you guys, but you're making sure that I'm going to be on this team. So I felt like that had to have kind of gone into it. Because, like, why, why would McGee be fighting with, like, Noel and Kata in training camp, right? Like, why would he? Why would he sign here to compete when he can probably go get a guaranteed contract somewhere else, mm-hmm. or just like a guaranteed like spot in the rotation, even if it's a third string center? And he it probably isn't third string. You know, it could be second string if Lynn struggled. I mean, Lynn was great at the end of last year, but like he really only played at the end of last year. So McGee's going to have plenty of opportunity to come in, and I think he knows that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think they were a little bullish on it, like you said. I think they should have had the competition, but at the same time, like, I don't know if McGee would have come over if the competition existed. It's like, well, if Noel does better, like you're getting cut. He probably would have gone elsewhere. I think that's a fair point. You can't have the best of both worlds. Um, uh, so I, I, I concede that uh, maybe a training camp competition of McGee, Noel, and Kata is probably never feasible given all the guys – interests and you know whatnot but yeah i think it's interesting the fact that they would you know maybe this is speculation but it's like if javel if that was kind of the agreement like yeah no i'm i'll, I'll join you guys i want to play for you guys but like am i going to come join a training camp competition at the end of the day that's because he played he won two of his championships with the warriors under you know steve kerr and mike brown was an assistant there and one of the things that it comes down to for this whole question of being too bullish is, is Mike Brown too bullish on guys that he seems comfortable with? It was last year. They let freaking Sam Merrill go, um, who might make the team with Cleveland this year. And they went ahead with Chima Moneke and Casey Akpala. They could have lost one of those guys. None of them finished the season. None of them looked particularly good. Moneke was not an NBA player. And, you know, it was almost like Mike Brown knew better. And of course, you got to lend some trust to your head coach to be able to make those decisions. But it's like, man, that just that didn't seem like it made any sense at all. The fact that we're talking about Alex Len only playing late in the season. Chemezi Metu, aside from like stretches of games where he looked solid as a backup, never looked like a backup center that you wanted to keep. I mean, they were talking, there were always rumors about the Kings being kind of interested in maybe trying to acquire. Noel never really happened after he got bought out, but trade conversation. I think there was that Bleacher Report article. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to pan out. I think it's just worth asking these questions. And 
at the end of the day, it might not matter. I mean, if McGee's the second true center and really realistically, you know, in terms of backing up Sabonis, the third guy behind Lyle slash Len, um, it's, it's not even going to be that big of an issue. Maybe it's nitpicking to point this out, but going down the line, especially when it comes to player evaluation and making those decisions um, without seeing the guys in training camp, uh, I think that's just worth kind of keeping an eye on. Yeah. But I um, think so too. That uh, kind of does it for different player questions. Um, I don't know. I mean, any other player questions come to mind? Any new ones? Anything come up throughout this conversation? No. Sorry, yeah. not at the top of my head. Uh, and a, uh, We just did a good job covering it. I mean, like, we just covered it all. I don't think that there's... <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be a lot more in the coming weeks for us, uh, for Cap City Crown and King's Talk. Uh, training camp, like John said, starts in a week on next Tuesday. Or on Tuesday, because I guess you're not listening to this until at least Wednesday. Uh, media day on Monday, like, man, we're, we're really close. The season's less than a month away, like 28 days away, about a month, but it's getting really close. Uh, preseason starts in, I think, a couple weeks, and, man, we're getting a lot closer. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more from us going forward. Um, back on that weekly schedule. Back on that weekly schedule. I hope you all you know enjoy listening to us. We all enjoy sharing our opinions with you and our thoughts. Um, I don't really have much else to add, John. Um, but I mean, if you do, feel free to speak or forever hold your peace. I will hold my peace until next week because there'll be stuff to talk about next. There, you know, it'd be nice to have extra stuff to talk about next week because media day doesn't always drive. <laughs> like, remember last year's media day? It's like, oh, my God, McNair didn't get an extension or something like that. And it's just like, he didn't yeah. talk about it. He deflected on the question. I would really, really, really enjoy if we didn't have to talk about something like that for 30 minutes <laughs> yeah milk it. um so stay tuned for next week stay tuned for next week um i want to thank you as always for tuning in and until next time have a good one <laughs>